Our gospel lesson is on page 1518 of your Pew Bibles from Matthew 13, 31 to 33, and verses 42 to 52. Please stand if you are able. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of your seeds, yet when it grows it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then, in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls, When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up on the shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you understood all these things? Jesus asked. Yes, they replied. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you again, Brian, uh, for your presence and participation today. And thank you, Rick and um, Katie, for... um, the song. I, I just want to share with you as Rick was singing, this is the scripture that came to my mind. I'm going to share it with you today. It comes from Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 28. This is not a part of the sermon, but I want to just share this gift of word with you on today. Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's why we can wait on the Lord. Amen? Amen? Amen. So for a few minutes on today, I want to preach from the topic, hidden and mixed in, hidden and mixed in. So I want to begin by just sharing with you the fact, and you know this, that Jesus loved to speak in parables. 
And uh, I appreciate theologian Diana Butler Bass's definition of a parable. She states, parables are not rules, commands, or doctrine. Instead, they are open-ended tales that invite us to struggle with their meaning, to wonder, to see the world from unexpected angles. She quotes Amy Jill Levine, who says, parables are mysterious. Parables challenge us to look into the hidden aspects of our own values, our own lives. They bring to the surface unmasked questions, and they reveal the answers we have always known, but refuse to acknowledge. So we're going to talk about two, several parables on this day, and uh, what we do know, again, is that this parable um, points to a symbol, and the parables that you've read during this week point to the symbol of the kingdom of God. And one definition of the kingdom of God would be, and if I had a mic, I would ask you that definition, but I won't. I won't ask you what images come to your mind when you hear the term or the phrase the kingdom of God. I won't ask you the question today, if I had a mic, as followers of Jesus Christ who are members of the kingdom of God, how are we living out our membership? If I had a mic, I would ask you the following question, but I don't have a mic. Are there benefits being members of the kingdom of God? And if so, what are they? And if I had a mic, oh, there it is, but I won't pick it up. What are you willing to give up being a member of the kingdom of God individually? And what are we as a congregation willing to give up being a member of this kingdom of God? It is important for us to remember and to remind ourselves of what the kingdom of God is like. Notice, Jesus does not state what the kingdom is. Jesus states what the kingdom is like. For Matthew, the kingdom of God is not only an eternal ideal reality, but it is present in this world as people do God's will. The kingdom of God means, in essence, that God is sovereign eternal, ruler over all. Nothing exists that is not a part of God's creation and for which God does not have ultimate responsibility. Mind you, the rulership of this world has been taken over by anti-God forces, yes, the present condition of the world does not correspond to the will of the sovereign creator. Yes, evil exists in this world. Although God remains as king, we find ourselves in a rebellious world, and we are called to make a decision on whose allegiance will we be a part of. As members of the kingdom of God, we have made the declaration that our allegiance is first foremost and always to God and to God's kingdom. 
So in Matthew's time, the kingdom of God meant not only God's eternal sovereignty, but also a particular community within this world that has subjected itself to God's revealed will. So as we look at the gospel lesson, what can we glean from these parables today to help us on our journey of discipleship as individuals and also as a congregation? The first thing that we can glean from these parables, and we will go into greater detail um, as we look at them, is that the kingdom of God is unpredictable. The kingdom of God is radical. So let's look at that first parable, the parable of the mustard seed. The mustard shrub was not a highly regarded addition to one's garden. It was a weed, a shrub bush that consumed valuable garden space. It was a plant that one would consider burning and throwing away. And yet, Jesus emphasizes the surprising growth of something so small and worthless into something that provides a place of shelter and nurture. Jesus likens this to God's activity. What is ultimately of value to God may appear to be like junk of nothing or nothing of worth to human beings. And then there's this yeast or leaven. This underscores the transforming power of the kingdom. The leaven in the parable is different from the yeast we would use in the kitchen. In Jesus' day, leaven is almost universally understood as something evil or unclean, and yet he uses this to talk about the kingdom of God The the leavening agent in Jesus' day was created by setting aside a portion of leftover bread to spoil in order to create leaven used in future baking. Not spoiled enough, it is worthless and cannot cause the new batter to rise. Allowed to spoil too long, it it not only ruins the bread, but can result in food poisoning. Only a small portion the size of a mustard seed is needed to leaven flour. So the three measures of meal with which the woman mixes the leaven would produce more than enough bread for a wedding feast. Mustard seed. Leaven. Hmm. These two parables speak directly to the life situations of the struggling Christians in Antioch, whether they have found the gift of the kingdom by accident or as the result of a long surge. They have found in the gospel something of such supreme value that it has been worth their giving up everything. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder how many of them experienced the growth in their lives because they became a part of the kingdom. I wonder how many of them experienced the growth in their lives because they turned over their self-will to the will of God so that God could use them the way God chose to use them. If I were to look out amongst this congregation, I could identify people who, even since I've been here, have begun, have continued rather, to allow their self-wills to be turned over to God's will. 
I won't name names, but there are people who, who, when I first arrived in 2020, there was no way in the world that they would stand up and speak before people. There's no way in the world that they would volunteer their gifts, their time. But what I have observed is that over the years, they have transferred their self-will, or I should say they have denied their self-will and have said, your will, Lord, be done. And they've allowed God to grow them, and they're continuing to grow, and they're saying yes and yes and yes and yes more and more often to God's will. I have seen people in this congregation, I won't mention any names, of course, who have allowed the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to transform their lives. Evangel Heights Church family and friends, I would also suggest to you that over the past three years as a congregation, we are continuing to allow God to transform the life of this congregation so that we will be more and more like the church of Jesus Christ, where Jesus Christ is the head, we are the body, and we are committed to following Jesus Christ. I would suggest to you that as a congregation, and yes, even as individuals, we are discovering more and more and more that the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth our sacrificing and giving up anything and everything that we own. That there is nothing that will bring greater life and hope to our life than the life of Jesus Christ being lived out in our lives through the Holy Spirit through the kingdom of God being realized in our lives. When I think about the kingdom of God, I I think about this word that we don't talk about a lot, and yet I would suggest to you that as members of the kingdom of God, we must take hold of it, we must claim it, we must utilize it, and that is the kingdom of God is about power, God's power at work in this world. Power, we've seen it. We need to pay more attention to it when we pray and change happens. That's kingdom power. When we go out and see individuals who are vulnerable and invisible and marginalized to others and we see them and we reach out to them, And we ask, how can I be? How can we be of service to you? That's power. God's power. And I would suggest to you, beloved, that God wants to use us more and more to demonstrate God's power, not only within the community of faith known as Evangel Heights United Methodist Church, but God wants us to use the power that is available to us as members of the kingdom of God beyond these four walls, within our community, and beyond, wherever there is need, wherever there is a need for mercy, grace, and justice, and love. Yes, we we saw individuals who were willing to sell everything because they had come in contact with Jesus Christ and they knew that the kingdom of God was worth it. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says it very well. Seek ye first the kingdom of God in all his righteousness. Do that first 
and everything, everything, whatever else you might need or think you will need, God will provide. In that particular text, the author talks about the basics of life, the food, the clothing, the shelter, God will provide. Yeah, the final parable talks about um, the end of time, and we know that that will come. It reminds us that there will come a time of separation at the end of this age. Judgment will come, and with judgment, consequences for good or for ill that are decided in the present age. So, dear ones, as members of this kingdom, we too are called to be radical in our living and not yield to the pressures of society. We're not called to fit in. We're not called to avoid conflict. We're not called to compromise. We're not called to pretend there is no evil in this world and there's nothing we can do about it. We are members of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God has power. We are called to address the evils and the injustices around us. Donald B. Crayhill reminds us in his book, The Upside Down Kingdom, that, and I quote, the meaning of the kingdom on Jesus' lips did not concern place or time, but power, who rules, and how one should rule. Kingdom signs burst forth whenever persons submit their wills and relationships to the way of God. The kingdom of God is present today as God's spirit rules in the lives of believers. Members of the kingdom even now are those who obey the Lord of the kingdom. Those who follow in the way of Jesus are already part of the kingdom movement, end of quote. So as I look again at these parables, this is what I glean for our consideration today for our reflections and meditations. God's kingdom is radical. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus presents the kingdom as a new order breaking in upon and overturning old ways, old values, old assumptions. God's kingdom is full of surprises. The small mustard seed that grows into a tree more correctly, a bush reminds us of the unusual and unexpected growth of God's community. And so, the question for us is this. Are we willing to continue to surrender all, our all, as members of the kingdom of God? To make that determination we have to realize again that the kingdom of God is worth more than any possessions, any relationships, any personal desires that we have. The kingdom of God is worth surrendering everything so that we can claim it as being our number one allegiance. Pay attention 
to God's sightings. Because where the God sightings are, you will see the kingdom of God breaking through. Let us pray. Continue to give us a hunger for you, Lord God. Continue to give us a hunger to be who you're calling us to be individually and as a congregation, as a member of your kingdom. In Jesus Christ's name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.